passion for passion adventure. For adventure. And a, and a good, good drink, drink at the end, at the end of the day. day. Your cadence fucking I'm, sucks, dude. You I'm read differently every fucking fine. week. I'm reading it just fine. No, you're not. Who are those fellas down at the end of the bar? Those are the McGlynn boys best to just let them be and listen to what they gotta say ask if you must drink if you want and disregard the rules because this this is the tavern in question yes sir it's another thursday night at the tavern in question welcome back I'm Ian. That weird guy over there. Hey, I'm Josh. That's Josh. We have another weird guy with us tonight. And that's Jeff. Hey, buddy. Hey, how's it going? Awesome. How are you? Oh, man. It has been a fantastic day, and I'm happy to be here at the tavern with you guys uh, having some drinks. Hell yes. Hell yes. This is a, this is a good time. We like to get together, and uh, much shenanigans abound and evolve from this. So uh, there, there really are no rules here, so... Uh, make yourself comfortable. As long as I don't have to pistol whip the next person that says shenanigans. <laughs> hey, Josh, what's the name of that? No, I'm just kidding. Um, we'll we'll leave that be. We'll leave that be. So Thursday nights at the bar, we always have a good time. We always have a lot to talk about. So let's not wait. Let's slide over and let's do a little bit from the news desk. Josh, what you got for us this week? All right. So I was really torn this week because obviously big in the news was a particular uh, court case that was wrapping up. And I was like, you know what? I I watched a lot of that and I kind of needed to step back from it because it was it was a little more intense than I was looking for. So I went local. It's very exciting. You went to a local court case? No, 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 no. For news. I went local oh, news. Oh, okay. Damn. Okay. So, back in 1987, Western University here in Michigan went All-American for their volleyball team. That was it. <laughs> Until this year. One, not their team, but a particular player was uh, seen as like the first All-American player and so i'm like so that's kind of interesting so i read i read through this article and there was a whole bunch of stats i didn't understand and so i'm like okay cool sports and so i'm like okay but the (laughs) the more interesting part about this is that this is local news that one person got an honorable mention for an all-american thing in volleyball now i'm not a sports guy but is that a thing that's totally i mean people People could put stuff online and call it a thing, but, you know, me not being into sports, I had to make sure this is a thing, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. I, honorable mention, you know, that's like, you know, the the first loser. But still, I mean, I, I've never been an honorable mention in, you know, like an All-American sports thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Jeff, have you been an honorable mention in an All-American sports thing? What is sports? <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what is this word? 
apparently people are very athletic and they do stuff. I, they go out in, uh, in organized uh, efforts and, and do things. I don't know. They play the sports ball. and Yeah, uh, there's a sports ball. There's a lot of whistles. People throw flags. Team. Yeah, go sports. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are so, terrible. You guys are terrible. So, so I mean, this is, this is a little thing, mostly just because half of the stuff in this article I don't understand. But I'm like, hey, it's, it's cool that somebody's getting recognized for – a sport that I thought was just um, set up for high school. I didn't realize volleyball was a thing other than like when they played on the beach. But then I think it's always attached to like some kind of like two person team. Bro, beach volleyball is an Olympic sport. I was just about to say, I know enough like, about volleyball to know they played in the Olympics. Like legit Olympic sport. Yes. Like gold medals are awarded to the best beach volleyball players. And they're usually from Brazil. Why don't no. <laughs> Anyways, uh, why don't I get those medals? I mean, I could throw myself around a beach in uh, two-piece and hit balls around. So, I mean, why am I not getting medals? More is, is are you good at it? I can look good at it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. I've seen you in a swimsuit. It's not the same. All right, no, I did say Which I would average. look good. Oh, hang on. I lost it. Yeah. Yeah, volleyball is not your sport, but yeah. I'm too white for volleyball. Yeah, yeah, stick to And, and stick not to, just like, stick you know. Stick to tennis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm terrible at tennis, too. I've tried it. Yeah, sports isn't a thing for our family, I guess. I guess. All right. Nope. So an honorable mention so, for the All-American list for a volleyball player from a college near your home. Yes. Uh, right Mostly on. just because it had been so long since it had happened before. Well, so. like, yeah, it was like the year you were born, right? You were. Uh, oh, wow. That's so, crazy. so good job, Western. Good job, Western. You did it. Congratulations. <laughs> What's the the athlete's name? Da, 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 da. Oh, fuck. And see, I knew I'm. All right. Her her first name's Rachel. Good job, Rachel. Yeah, I'm not even gonna try the last name because um, the English language a lot, fails a lot me of vowels. sometimes. So, sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good job, Rachel from Western. Good job, Rachel. All right, Jeff. You're on the spot, man. Your turn. Whew. Oh, I don't know if I can follow that. Uh, by the way, I'm glad I'm not the only person in the world that butchers people's names, really. Uh, I probably have a long list of people who hate me because I just can't get their names right. Um, the article I want to share is one I read this morning, and I thought it was kind of cool because it's related to movies, since that's what I really uh, am all about. Uh, did you know that the movie Shrek is 20 years old? Holy shit. I mean, yeah. you've literally been at, you've been at the bar for seven minutes, Jeff, and I want to fight you. Like, I mean, we, we, we went way too fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like blew my mind when I thought about this. But the, this article that was uh, came out today in Variety was about the soundtrack and how influential that soundtrack has been, yeah. not just for a movie soundtrack, but mm. defining an entire generation of people. And it's uh, it's a really great article. It's how it uh, became a millennial cultural touchstone. Uh, you know, Smash Mouth already was a known name. It put them like even further out there for people. It's also one of the first animated movies to uh, rely solely on contemporary songs versus mm. original music for the actual storytelling. And every song was uh, chosen specifically to provide you an emotion. And <laughs> it literally works throughout the entire film from the very beginning all-star to the very end when they're doing that little mashup in the swamp. It's just a wide range of emotions. This movie would not be as amazing as it is if it weren't for its amazing soundtrack. So it's mm. a very fun little article. I nice. wanted to throw that out there. 
so some of the songs uh, from that include the Hallelujah Chorus. Yes. I'm I'm a Believer, which I think was originally done by the Monkees, right? The Monkees, yes. And then uh, Smash Mouth did their version of yep. it. Holding Out for a Hero. That's the fight <laughs> scene, right, with the girls? Um, I need a hero. Oh, that's I'm in the sequel. For... I was going to say, oh. I was gonna say that's not, that one's not in the first one. Yeah, that wasn't in the first one. That was the sequel. That's oh. um, that's when the fairy godmother is singing. Um, yep. Yep. And gotcha. then like okay, Trek yeah. is like going to the ball in that one, like fighting to get there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me let me click on the right. Here we go. We got the right one now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Shrek two. That was garbage. Yeah. Look at that. Uh, that is a great list of songs. I've never realized. Yeah. It, it, it's an amazing list of songs. Yeah. Something I didn't realize are that Hallelujah song. Um, while Rufus Wainwright is the person who sang it on the soundtrack, that's not his version in the movie. Mm. It's, uh, it's sung by a guy named John Cale in the movie. Mm. I thought that was interesting. I had no idea about that until I read this. Yep. It says, although the song was performed by John Cale in the film, it didn't appear on the soundtrack album due to licensing. Yeah, so Dirty. Rufus Wainwright's. Yeah. But I, I love Rufus Wainwright's rendition of it. It's absolutely gorgeous. And even something so small, they used a small little excerpt of On the Road Again by Willie Nelson. Wasn't even a full song. It was just Donkey, Eddie Murphy singing that little bit of it. And that was chosen specifically, again, for creating an emotion like, oh, yeah, we're going mm -hmm. on the road again. You know, it, it's a brilliant soundtrack. It, it won Grammys. It uh, prompted Universal uh, to put out a vinyl of it in 2019. It has just been one of those influential things on an entire generation. That's insane. Which is hilarious because at the time, I remember watching it and just thinking, oh, these are songs that I know. Cool. And and just went about it. And, and of course, now I can't not think of the intro to Shrek without hearing the all-stars uh song in my head it makes me proud because my kids uh, they love shrek and they ask to listen to the shrek songs when we're in the car and i'm like oh hell yeah we're gonna listen to the shrek songs in the car <laughs> full volume that's gonna be karaoke time guys so i have listened to probably 95 percent of the children's movies that exist today that were created between 1999 and 2007 I have not seen a single one of them because they played on the DVD players immediately behind my headrest whenever we traveled for the kids. <laughs> so I haven't seen a damn movie, but man, I can quote and recite all of them. I watched uh, Home the other day. I don't know. Do you know the Alien movie? Oh, yeah. Like where the weird aliens At, come uh... down? Yeah. Dude, I know that. I can recite yeah. the whole thing back to front. First time I saw it, yeah. about two weeks ago. Like, actually watched the whole thing. So it's kind of crazy. But no, Shrek's 20 years old. That's that's the the more incredible part for me that that it's 20 freaking years ago that yeah, mike myers played an over watching the vhs of this basically wearing it out in high school vhs vhs see we oh. just you just said vhs and at some point somebody's gonna say what is that like i remember owning a vhs dvd duo machine and it cost me like 20 bucks <laughs> which cracked me up and the fact that i still had VHSs at the time that I would use <laughs> and it's like okay enough's enough I need to get just the DVD player <laughs> oh goodness oh, oh goodness yeah we we found a bunch of VHSs uh cleaning out a closet there at work the other day and we got to keep them for historical data but we can't find anywhere to transfer from VHS into some other digital medium <laughs> so now I've got literally a 
parachute box full of VHS tapes of old drops and stuff that God knows where that's coming from. <laughs> Challenges. Uh, if memory serves, if you've got a Costco near you, I think they offer VHS to digital uh, conversion services because my father-in-law did that with a bunch of my wife's uh, home videos of her growing up. Oh, oh wow. sure. All right. Yeah. Hmm. Right on. Well, I will. I will. Nice little plug for Costco. There we go. <laughs> See, not a sponsor. <laughs> so, so you can buy literally, you know, uh, ninety-seven pounds of cheese balls and have your VHS converted to DVD. Perfect. I mean, I'm in. You can't get one without the other. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's a thing. It's a thing. Right on. All right. Uh, so, uh, for mine, uh, phase one, uh, the clinical trial of an experimental vaccine. Uh, it has been proven to be successful. That vaccine is for HIV. So another thing, after years and years and years and years, and they kind of hinted to this back in February, but it finally came out that they're in human. They're actually doing human trials of it now, and it's having uh, what appears to be a 97% efficacy rate, which is phenomenal. That we may awesome. we may have found the solution to a virus that has been. Uh, around and and destroying lives for decades now, decades mm. and decades, forty years, right? Eighties, late seventies, eighties is when it became a mm -hmm. a big thing, I believe. So it says, uh, and they're using a very similar to the the COVID vaccine. They're using the mRNA uh, based vaccine to to kind of work the the receptors to get it going because they have to find this like one very little tiny uh, immune cell to boost it and bolster it and get it to go uh, fight all the, the other stuff. So it says, uh, we believe the approach will be key to making the HIV vaccine and possibly important for making... Oh, wrong one. I, did, I highlighted the wrong thing. Here we go. Here we go. These exciting findings emerge from remarkably creative, innovative science and are a testament to the research team's talent, dedication, collaborative spirit, and to the generosity of the trial participants. That's one of the doctors. So oh, uh, all that to say, uh, it appears as though we may have a vaccine for HIV. And I think that's pretty cool. Hmm. Not as cool as Shrek. That's crazy. Story we want to hear. The, yeah. Hopefully they, I don't know. Well, <laughs> they, hopefully, I, I mean, they've taken the time on this one, so <laughs> hopefully there isn't as much hesitancy with this one. You know what I mean? There's, It's a, it's a grab-and-go kind of deal. So, hmm. right on. So well, that's, that's always something that I, I honestly never expected to hear in my lifetime. Was that we? Because like, other than cancer, this was the one thing that we weren't gonna fight. It was uh, if you got it, that's it, and then we just kind of move on. So the fact that there's, well, you said there was human trials already, and it's showing a success rate. Yes, enough numbers to have a success rate. Yeah, I mean it's that's that's mind blowing. I mean, no offense to Rachel and Western, but fuck, fuck off. off. I mean, they just, <laughs> they just got something for AIDS. I mean, that's, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. I, uh, I was, I was kind of excited to, to come across that story today and, how, and see that. How is that like not you, bigger the, news? What's that? How is that not bigger news? There's a lot of things going on right now, I, but that's not important. I, that's that's not a, a milestone. It can be very easily overshadowed by a lot of the uh, the world is obsessed with the negative things. Mm. So, you know, the court case of the officer from Minnesota, uh, the bad things happening with the covid vaccine. Those are the things that people want to hear. They don't want to hear good news like, oh, we are about to 
have the biggest breakthrough in medical science in decades. You know, they don't want to hear that. Yeah. And I, I looking at that, I, I had a lot of those same questions and it kind of felt as though maybe maybe this didn't get as much noise because, uh, you know, it took 40 years to probably get this figured out. It's not you know, what I mean, it's not done. It's not 100 percent yet. It, But it looks very probable that they got it figured out. Uh, which would take a very large percentage of the population in our country right now and say, wait a sec, it took 40 years to beat this virus. How did we beat this other virus in one year? You know what I mean? And there's a lot of those questions that already. So I can see where this would kind of get maybe pushed down a little bit to kind of help keep other people, you know, um, uh, maybe uh, calm. I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, but either way, it's uh, I, I can see where it didn't get. Uh, top billing, as it were, um, and this came right. out. This was the seventeenth, so this was this was about five days ago that uh, this this particular story yeah. published. So, well, right on, Excellent. Well, that'll wrap it up for us here at the news desk. Let's uh, head on over to the bar and see our favorite bartender. All right, so for hey bartender, we've done beer, we've done whiskey. Now, in honor of our sailor friend joining us for the evening, we're doing Booyah. a little bit of rum. So the rum is coming to us out of Key West, of all places. Love that. One of my favorite places on Earth. Spent a lot of time there. I do I do particularly like it. This is Ernest Hemingway's uh, brand, I guess, uh, namesake, bottled by the Hemingway Rum Company in Key West, and it's also got a co-spot in Lakeland. The rum that we are... Well, the rum that Jeff is going to be drinking this evening is the Marquesas blend, which is uh, finished in number four char Kentucky bourbon whiskey barrels. The rum that I am drinking is a whiskey and sherry barrel finish from Total Wine uh, that was selected in 2018. And Josh, which one do you have? I think I just have the, like, the standard. Um... This one, uh, uh, fuck, I'm gonna mess it. Solera blend and bourbon barrels, port wine casks, and Spanish sherry casks. Very nice. Very nice. Now, I don't know if your guys' caps have this, and of course, the listeners can't see anything, but it's got like this cool, like, compass thing for a cap. Yeah. Like, Honestly, like, I picked up the bottle, and I saw the cap, like, that's a fucking sweet cap. And, like, it's got some weight to it, too. (laughs) Like, I'm a sucker for a sweet bottle, and I hate that, because more times than not, I'll get the bottle, and whatever's in it isn't that great. But I I like this, and it's got a cool bottle. (laughs) So the rooster didn't make any sense to me until I started reading and found out that it was from Key West, and Key West has random chickens that just run the streets so yep. so once I, I saw that it was actually it was from key west because like ah they freaking they grab the the chickens off the street and they put it on the bottle which was freaking <laughs> awesome so uh jeff give us the story of this of this rum this rum was given to me by uh, a co-worker of mine where i where i currently work and because uh, he knows how much i love rum and he's not a big rum guy so uh he got he gave me this bottle of it and from the moment i cracked it to these last little dredges of it that exist here it has been one of the most enjoyable things i've uh 
I've ever had when it comes to rum. I've drinking it straight, you know, over ice. Um, I've even mixed it in with a, you know, Coke here and there. Uh, but it's just been such a wonderful, wonderful bottle. I'm actually kind of sad to see it come to an end. And as we were discussing before our reporting began, uh, this particular uh, one right here is hard to find. But I just, you brought it to my attention and I can't believe that I've missed it after all the times I've looked at the bottle. Um, it comes from, like you said, Key West, but Lakeland, Florida. I just happen to have a few friends there in Lakeland who I might have to hit up and <laughs> see if they can get me some more of this. Nice. So this yeah. this smells, this nose is just straight candy. Um, mm-hmm. Beautiful, like just cooked down uh, sugar. We, we did maple syrup uh, growing up as kids and they would always, mom would always boil down like a small batch of it and make like the, the maple sugar. And this, that, that's all I'm getting on this nose is just straight, mm-hmm. just candy. Mm-hmm. It's it's sweet without being overly sweet, mm-hmm. though. I mean, the, it goes down so smooth. It smells sweeter than it actually tastes, but it's nice, smooth. It yeah. gets that nice little bitterness from the whiskey barrels that it yeah. spends time in and everything. And it's just, it's gorgeous. It really yeah. is. It's like it's like reading Hemingway. It really mm. is. Yeah, it's it has it, it that just silky soft kind of feel on your tongue and. Mm. Uh, right away you get it, it's the the sugar and oak all at the same time you know so you're getting like it, literally your entire tongue is just talking to you saying like oh this is uh, this part's cool and then oh shit there's this over here and then uh there's no real finish to it which i kind of like because mm-hmm. you know some whiskeys at that same proof can can leave you feeling a little warm and fuzzy right around this area right here for a little bit and uh <laughs> And this doesn't do that, which I mean, could be incredibly dangerous um, because sometimes it's the finish that helps me stay slow. Right. Uh, this would not, and, uh, right. and this would be this would be awesome. This is great stuff. There's actually a picture on their website of Hernes, uh Jesus Christ, uh, Ernest Hermes. Hey, 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 hey! Uh, <laughs> his son and his grandson taking proceeds from this uh, from the company. Uh, and giving it back to, a, I forget what the name of the Wildlife Foundation is. Um, and that's, you know, and, and Hemingway's influence at Key West is massive. Like, it's it's huge. Uh, and that was, I, I did the, the Hemingway tour once when I was down there. And, you know, they, his house and then went over to the market where he always shopped and kind of just went around and did all the, the little touristy stops on, on the, the Hemingway Trail. It's pretty badass. So. I, had, I had a glass of this uh, last night, mostly just because I was... I'm I'm new to the whiskey, and anytime I've ever had rum, I'm always putting something in it. So having rum just straight has not been a thing. Like it isn't a thing. So I made sure to have a, a glass last night just to um, just so I could not like freak out. <laughs> so because if it was really bad, I would be like, oh god, get it out, you know. So I took a sip of it and immediately was like, this is. This is pretty tasty. And the only thing I had I could reference it to was um, a whiskey, uh, Knobs Creek smoked maple. Yeah. Like immediately made me think of that. And then you got talking about the maple syrup. And I'm like, oh, my God, like there it is. And it to me, this almost strikes me as like a dessert drink. Oh, hell yes. Like like I wouldn't eat it with food unless it was a dessert food. And it's, you mentioned that because I've actually poured a little bit over vanilla ice cream. Oh, that sounds awesome. It is really good. Oh, boozy oh. ice cream. 
Right? That's a great idea. Oh, man, that's a great idea. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad it. to be inspired. Yeah, thanks, man. Like, I'm not spending enough time on that stupid-ass bike. Now i got to spend more because I'm going to go freaking dump rum over my ice cream. Damn it all. So this uh, – immediately when I had this, I thought of – other one of you had Angel's Envy Finished Rye Whiskey? I don't think so. So it's it's mm-hmm. – well, it's finished in rum barrels, which makes sense. Um, this is this is like that uh, without the punch in the chest and and far sweeter. You know what I mean? Like it's it, the Angel's Envy is great, but this this is this takes out a lot of the the heat and abrasiveness that whiskey tends to tends to give you every once in a while. So, so yeah. Now this... the one that you're drinking, uh, Ian, what's the what's the proof on yours? Uh, mine is ninety five. It's a forty-seven point five. Oh, I was say because this they say mine's only at a eighty-six, and the heat to it, I honestly, I kind of enjoyed. Like it's, it's not overbearing, but at the same time, it's there's still some heat to it, and I find myself, especially added with the sweetness of it, it has the right amount of heat in the chest. But then it has just enough sweetness to go well with it, and yeah, I found myself having a couple of glasses last night. I'm like, this is, is pretty good. What's the uh, what's the Marquesas coming in at? Uh, its proof is at um, eighty eight, okay. so forty four percent ABV. So, um, like you, I feel maybe just I feel a little warmth uh, the more I drink it and stuff like that. But it's not bad at all. Mm. I was looking at my other bottle of rum here because I started really thinking about that. I was like, damn, because this one right here makes me feel very warm when I drink it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, that would make sense. What is that one? This is a 90. Uh, I just had it where I lost it. It's in the 90s. What's the brand? That's oh, proof. Oh, this is a local distillery right here in Wilmington. End of days uh, distillery. They do rum, gin, and uh, vodka. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Your rum adventure, like, has that been? Because you're you're a rum guy. I mean, is is it? I, I associate it with the navy, right? Yes. As as like a sailor's drink. Is that is there truth to that? Yeah, I mean, me and my friends when I was in the navy, we we drank a lot of rum. It was a lot of rum and a lot of cheap beer. Uh, but uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of rum. Um, but uh, I've always I've always liked rum long before I joined the navy. I mean that probably makes me look bad because i joined at 20 so why was i enjoying rum before then we're not going to talk about that but um i just i i've always liked it whether it's a white rum a dark rum or anything like that it's just it's always had a great flavor i've always i've never had a bad time with it or anything like that like tequila makes me do stupid things (laughs) vodka i'm not a big fan of uh whiskey you know it's hit or miss with me um i really liked those selections uh that i did when the last time i was on your show um you know so i mean rum it just it it also invokes a lot of great memories for me it really does uh again pertaining back to the navy but times me and my best friend would sit around sinking uh drinking sailor jerry's and uh cherry coke uh we call them nippers and those were our hangout drinks and it was just it's a lot of fun, and I've enjoyed going around to different distilleries, uh, learning a lot more about rum. On my honeymoon, we found one in Hawaii, 
where it was just oh my gosh so good i it was this really really dark rum that's where i learned about the whole drinking it over ice cream or pouring it over ice cream thing because the bartender there is the one who made the suggestion to me to do that um just uh just learning about the different brands and then trying the different brands so it's kind of like you and whiskey that's my story with rum uh, you know every rum i have has a memory that's attached to it even a bacardi 151 flaming shot has a memory attached to it. <laughs> there, there was a mixed drink at, uh, I think it was um, Fat Tuesdays. I think that's the name of the bar in Key West. I think it was called the the Hurricane. Uh, it was one of their like frozen daiquiri drink things where they would take a 151, like a little like tube of 151, and then put it in upside down into the into the thing and uh, i only had that one time and never again will i touch anything like because that was the literally the only drink i had the entire night i was i was fucking toast that stuff that, that hits like rocket fuel oh that that was awesome the mm. last time i had 151 it was uh, a bunch of us uh were born just like one day after the other in July, it starts July 27th and goes through July 30th on the 29th. So we just had a joint birthday party at a bar and uh, my buddy John bought me a flaming 151 shot. And I was already drunk anyway, so I shouldn't have been handling flames and alcohol at the same time. Oh, no. <laughs> I go to blow the flame out and I blew it all over his brother. Oh my God, it was just not a good, it was not a good picture. Fucking <laughs> fire everywhere. <laughs> I'm surprised we weren't kicked out of that bar, honestly. <laughs> oh, Ironically, I believe it was probably not the first time that somebody has done that. <laughs> right? <laughs> they probably get almost burnt down on the regular serving flaming 151 shots. Uh, they oh, they have that coming, I believe. Well, that's awesome, man. This is good stuff. So this, I, this will be the first ever bottle of rum to go on the bar of questionable life choices. So uh, thank you for introducing me to... <laughs> Uh, a delicious uh, new distillate that I have not yet to try. So that's that's pretty awesome. I'm glad I went with that choice because I almost sold out and tried to just throw Sailor Jerry's at y'all. So I'm glad I went with that choice. I would have done it. I would not have been good because uh, I <laughs> Sailor Jerry's got me in trouble uh, in Colorado once. It was. <laughs> oh, I would have smelled it and it would have been over. Would... Oh. All for the show. We can do this. We can do this. All right. <laughs> Well, that's going to wrap us uh, up for Hey Bartender. Let's uh, let's take a quick break, and we will come right back for uh, a little talk at the bar. All right, let's uh, let's get up to the bar. So. Because of our guest and some uh, something dear to my heart, our our movies. Um, I love movies. I love watching movies. Uh, I don't go to the movie theater as much as I would like because usually if there's like a, a run of stuff that's out there that's good, I would go every weekend because I I I love the movie theater experience, especially when it's a good theater. However, COVID kind of put a stop to all that stuff. And I had I didn't realize how much of a problem it was 
until they moved or until they reopened the theaters. I think the first movie I went and saw after the theaters opened up was uh, Crudes Two <laughs> with with my kid, and what? and so we we had a great time. It was fun. I mean, you know, and the thing that sucked is it wasn't the regular experience. We we got our tickets. We went in. We sat down. They weren't doing any concessions or anything like that. So no popcorn, no soda. I mean, we bought our snacks outside and you know, like in a store. Then we brought them in and everything. And so like, we had some candy, but it was it was such a dramatic difference between what m- movie going should be. And then I noticed that, especially height of COVID, that a lot of the movie studios that were still trying to release movies were were kind of catching on to this whole streaming thing they're like hey people are streaming now more than ever what if we release our big budget movie for an additional cost to these streaming services one that i noticed to do it more sooner than later but that was just because i i have the streaming service was disney plus they do their uh, premium thing for their new Disney movies. I haven't paid for it just simply because, no offense, I'm not going to pay an extra $30 to watch something that I'm going to watch in my house. If I'm going to spend that kind of money on watching something, my ass is going to be in a movie theater. Not if it doesn't have fucking popcorn. That would have been, right? oh, that would have been, no, dude, I, I, seriously, <laughs> oh, I would have turned I'll around. I'll bring my old work. popcorn next oh, time. hell no. No, they have popcorn or I'm out. But nah, I, I don't see, know how you passed that. How you got past that? I mean, seeing Crudes too was hard enough. But goddamn, like no popcorn. But there's some. There is something about sitting in a movie theater chair and watching it on a big screen, popcorn or not. There's something about that environment that does something to movies that make them that much better. One movie in particular that I remember that being an official thing was. Um, uh, Fuck! It was U five seven one with Matthew McConaughey. They overtook a German sub or some kind of sub during some World War yeah, that happened, and so history is not my thing either. So <laughs> sports and history, it doesn't work. So before the movie even started, the manager of the theater came in and he's like, "So we need to give you all a disclaimer about the movie before we get started." This movie was made particularly to be loud. Nothing is wrong with our system. Nothing's wrong with our setup. This movie is just a loud movie, and the, the, the sound was done specifically for this effect. So if it's too loud for you and you try to come and, and complain about it, we're going to turn you away. <laughs> so I was like, oh, like that, that, that's true, or they're full of shit, and they just you know don't want to deal with anybody. <laughs> But, like, that movie experience was amazing, and I don't think I had popcorn then either. What's communism taste like, Josh? It tastes like movie theaters without popcorn. I didn't eat anything, so. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> anyway, yeah, COVID's had a huge impact. And actually, I think, I think Jeff, you and I talked a little bit about this when we talked about uh, some of the history of film. And 
as a as a movie connoisseur. So so for those of you who are listening, uh, Jeff has the Chuck Goes to the Movies podcast, which is probably the best movie review podcast that is out there today. And that's not an exaggeration. I'm not trying to to fluff his ego or anything. He doesn't need it. It's legit from content to sound quality to um, to depth of of level of production. It's it's incredible. Just coming off of what were my favorites so far, uh, you did a three-part series on The Lord of the Rings. Uh, I cannot talk uh, well enough about that to to anybody. Go listen to that. It's, it's incredible. So from your perspective, and somebody who has a, a huge grasp on the film industry, what do you believe were the biggest impacts to movie theaters um, with the the onset of COVID? Absolutely. Well, first, I want to say thank you. Uh, uh, what a glowing review. And uh, as far as the Lord of the Rings episodes go, I'm going to have to give Stephen part of that credit as well. He was uh, so an amazing awesome. co-host through that whole thing. Uh, they man's insane for agreeing to ever doing that with me. Uh, but uh, as far as the movie going experience and how it has been impacted by COVID, I went very extreme last year when COVID was really at its height. And I said that we have witnessed the beginning stages of the death of the movie going experience, Mm. the death of cinema. Now, looking back, I was probably being a little too extremist here, but I have no doubt in my mind that the movie going experience as we knew it, anything pre 2020 is dead. It is no longer going to be there. It's going to be a brand new experience moving forward. They're going to try to recapture it as best as they can, but it's ne- I don't think it's ever truly going to be the same. Um, and one of the things here, and uh, you y'all hit it right there on the head, streaming services. Uh, streaming services um, are going to really going to change the scope of that and there's been directors and filmmakers out there speaking against streaming services uh back from the very beginning steven spielberg has always been against it christopher nolan has been the biggest critic against streaming services and stuff like that you know which is kind of strange for him his his powerhouse is warner brothers and guess what warner brothers is doing utilizing their streaming service hbo max uh, so if uh, Christopher Nolan wants to continue making movies with Warner Brothers, guess what he's probably going to end up having to deal with? The fact that his movie is going to uh, stream for 30 days on HBO Max like they're doing with their entire 2021 lineup. I don't know how long they plan on doing that, but I actually read another article earlier today about the success that Warner Brothers and HBO and everybody have been having because of the fact that they've been doing these big blockbuster, these big 2021 movies on their streaming service for third. Here, let me pull up the article real quick. I'm just article dated for today. HBO max gains 3 million subscribers in Q1 beating all wall street forecasts. And a lot of that has to do with two things, Zack Snyder and his (laughs) justice league movie. And the other one is, Godzilla versus Kong or whatever it's called Kong versus Godzilla. I, I haven't seen it and I probably won't see it for a while because I'm so far behind on it, but, um, Oh, and wonder woman, 84 wonder woman, 84 as awful as that movie was has to play a role in that uh, as well. Uh, you know, cause that was the movie that launched the whole idea. Let's play it for 30 days on here and release it in theaters at the same time. Mm-hmm. So streaming services 
are going to be the big thing, whether it's Disney charging you $30 to watch a really crappy version of Mulan, or if it's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm a really harsh critic when it comes to some movies. So if I hate on a movie you may like, you feel free to share your opinion. Um, I finally did watch Mulan after it was available just for, you know, part of the, your regular subscription. And I'm just like, I'm so glad I didn't spend $30 on this. Um, <laughs> Or, you know, whether you uh, are watching it on HBO Max as part of your subscription. Luckily, they aren't charging you an extra amount to watch it. You can just watch it as part of your subscription. So I'm thankful for that. I really am. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've got my pros and my cons with this as well. Like, I love going to the movies, too. I, I have so many wonderful memories of going to the movies, whether it's, you know, with me and my friends or me and my wife or, uh, you know, going with my uh, parents when I was younger. I mean, I went and saw every single Lord of the Rings movie with my parents and things like that. I one of the earliest movies I remember seeing in theaters was Mrs. Doubtfire with my parents. Yes. I just, you know, I've got all these wonderful memories, amazing movie going experiences, even with the crappy movies, um, you know, Star Wars Force Awakens, as much as I do not like that movie, that is by far probably one of my favorite movie going experiences of my entire life, just because of the energy of everybody in that movie theater. And that's why the theaters are never going to be the same again because you're never going to be able, I don't think we're ever going to be able to get to the point where we're going to be able to pack those theaters so full and recreate that kind of energy ever again. Whether they're allowed to pack them full or not, you're just not, I don't think we're going to see the participating numbers of people because of the ability to be able to see them at streaming services or just wait for them to be on video on demand. How long is a movie in theaters nowadays, even before COVID, you noticed movies were in theaters, then all of a sudden they were showing up on theater at home, like on Amazon and stuff <laughs> like that, before they even left theater. Mm -hmm. uh, Sony just signed a huge deal with uh, Netflix and Disney Plus, by the way. I found this to be a very strange thing. Netflix gets first look, uh, first look deal on all these Sony products, but then here they are working with Disney also to get their content out there on Disney and more specifically spider-man and certain marvel projects that they own and things like yep. that uh we're going to start seeing sony movies appear on netflix not too long after the release into theaters we're going to start seeing uh sony marvel owned movies spider-man um venom uh the upcoming morbius movie with uh mm -hmm. jared leto uh, we're going to start seeing those appear on disney plus in 2022 and that deal is supposed to run through 2026 so studios have studios are going to survive one way or another and they don't need a theater to survive mm -hmm. they have discovered that they do not need a theater to survive we as the true purest of moviegoers want the theaters to survive but it's not in the best interest of a studio they're going to find a way to make it work. And right now, streaming and online video on demand is their lifeline. And that's just that's the natural progression of things. Um, no, it the the whole idea of of theaters being um, in a way less essential hit me after um, I want to say it was it was either Frozen Two or um uh, what was the the fantasy one that disney did it was uh yes one of those two 
um, the kid, my kids had been talking about it nonstop. They're like, oh, we got to go see it. We got to go see it. And so my wife and I took them. And, and this was before COVID was a big thing. There was rumors of COVID becoming a thing. But we're like, you know what? Yeah, let's go to the movie theater. So we get in the theater. We have their popcorn, a candy. Like, it was the legit movie theater experience. And it was like maybe only three other people in the theater at the time. So it was it was that it was that much better. It was a great movie. We all enjoyed it. Had a great time. No more than a week later, it was on Disney Plus. And then the same thing with Frozen, which I you know again you know with kids you get sucked into a lot of kid movies. So that we we bought the DVD a, a week after we bought the DVD, it was on Disney Plus, and I'm just like. What what's happening? Because all this stuff is is going to these streaming services, and these experiences that we're having are becoming less important. Because like I remember growing up, going to the movies was a big deal, mostly because there wasn't a theater where we grew up. So whenever we went and saw a movie, we had to travel <laughs> to go see a movie. So it was a big deal whenever we saw a movie. So now it's very much not a big deal anymore, which I think that part I have the biggest issue with because anytime any project comes out in movie form, it's a big deal. Whether I want to see it, don't want to see it, or if it's something I like or don't like, it's a celebration of what other people have worked so hard to put together and to put out. The movie theater experience is the celebration of that. And that's going away. So as so, if I were you know, J.J. Abrams or one of those other guys who has such an issue with it because their movies, um, uh, Christopher Nolan, his movies are so big. There's there's such a grand scale to his movies that when you watch them, it does you a disservice if you don't watch them first on a giant screen. So unless you have like a a projector at home, you do lose a little bit. By watching it on a normal screen. So, like, I kind of get his thing, but at the same time, you know, times are changing. You have to be you have to be at least willing to work with it a little bit instead of being completely against it. But I totally get why he's against it, because the theater is a celebration of this is all of our hard work. Here it is enjoy it on a grand scale i i hear that um uh, but i think i think the slide the downward slide if you want to call it that of the movie theater happened years before covid and and i noticed this actually with uh the force awakens when i went to the movie theater you know um and my my son is a, a big movie guy himself and a huge star wars fan so uh, he and I are jacked and we're ready. And when the credits roll, we're on our feet and we're cheering with a lot of people my age doing the exact <laughs> same thing. A lot of people my son's age are sitting in their seats looking at us from their phones going, what the fuck are these people doing? Why are they cheering at a movie? Right. They didn't get the cheering experience until freaking, you know, Iron Man takes out freaking what's his name in the end of the that movie with all the comic <laughs> characters in it. Um, okay, you're you're oversimplified. That a was pretty intense. I'm moment, trying all to right? invoke a Holy reaction. Fuck. All right. 
<laughs> but no, so I, I, I noticed that then and I paid attention since then uh, because that was the first time I was like, what the hell? Like, why aren't these kids on their feet? Like, what is they, – they just came to a movie. They just came to a, a room. I mean, we were in Arizona. It was an air-conditioned room, so that was probably half the reason. Um, but it was, you know, they, the, the connection, the emotional connection, they, they spent most of their time on their phones, not paying attention to the stuff. You, like, you see phone screens, like, hiding under clothes or, you know, underneath stuff. Um, and, and I think that's the difference. That's the big – there's that big – I don't want to call it a generational gap, but the importance – and we saw, we saw the same thing in Broadway. If you go to Broadway right now, um, it used to be a shirt and tie mm-hmm. event. When you would go to a show, like you, you seriously, you put on your best, you went out and you spent a night on the town. And now you go to these Broadway shows. Um, you know, my wife and I had unbelievable seats uh, to see come from away. And so we we were decked. And sitting right next to us, to our left and our right, is freaking Papa Jane, fucking Mama <laughs> Joe, in their goddamn jeans and fucking shorts and flip flops. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, so I, I think that that slide started um, years ago. And, and it's unfortunate because I don't uh, – it sucks. Um, and I'm, I'm with Josh. It's, a, it's an experience thing that I think needs to happen. And I, I, but I'm kind of in the opposite side of this. I think if COVID has any impact, it might be bigger because we were forced – we were forced to stay home and watch these movies. We couldn't go out. We couldn't do these things. We couldn't go sit with people and have a social experience along with a movie experience. And one thing we are notorious for as Americans is we don't like being told what to do. So the moment we get to do something else, we're going to do it. So I this has the potential, I believe, to re-energize the, the movie theater experience for people because they've been stuck in their homes for a year. Jesus Christ, I want to go mm. see a movie. I don't want to watch a movie from my couch anymore. I want to go out. Um, and with the movie theaters uh, enforcing social distancing, I'm not mad about that. Oh yeah, at because all. who wants to sit next to a stranger? Oh Jesus Christ! I had my leg rub once. Uh, this is weird. No, okay, I'm telling you, Yuma, Arizona is a weird fucking place, right? So my wife and I, um, because we're teenagers forever, we go in the middle, very top row, because you know the movie I was like the Heat or something. I think it was with uh, Melissa McCarthy, and uh, and you know we were just gonna be silly, and sure enough, wide empty theater. This party of three comes and sits down right next to us um pregnant gal sits in the chair directly next to me an entire fucking row she's right there and the movie gets going and it's funny and it's enjoyable and i don't think she meant to but she like reached over and she's like because she's like rubbing her legs at the same time but she missed her leg and started oh like God. rubbing on mine so i'm like trying to like be polite and like scooch over like it's mine it's not yours it was but now that there has to be three or four seats between us like man mm-hmm. i'm all for it let's fucking do it I think there, you could be right. There could be a revitalization here. You know, we, we finally are be able to get out and do things, you know, like what's the one thing that I kept thinking of that I missed more than going to a movie theater uh, with this whole thing is like, I, I missed going to a bar. I missed going to be able to <gasps> sit at a bar, have a drink that was poured for me fresh from a bottle by somebody else. Uh, or, you know, straight from the tap by somebody else that wasn't me. I didn't have to play bartender. And I miss that. I miss the social interactions of going to a bar and stuff like that or to a restaurant and things or my favorite breweries. Here's the problem. I've gone and done those things as things have reopened. And at the same time, as excited as I was to be there, I also just I'm 
I, maybe it's a retraining thing. I got to retrain my brain. I also thought it was like, I could have very easily done this at home. And as far as like huh. going to see a movie, yes, I miss going to the. There are certain movies you have to see in theaters. You know, again, no matter how bad they are, Star Wars, you have to see every Star Wars movie in theater that you can. Right? Um, I went and saw a Scream uh, rerun because I loved the entire Scream franchise and just being able to go see those movies. And I, I was too young to see the original Scream in theater, so I finally got to go experience it. Uh, my best friend went to and saw a rerun of uh, A League of Their Own. Oh, by the way, older movies are seeing a revival at the movie theater right now, trying to keep movie theaters alive. Oh, yeah. uh, I would have loved to have gone to seeing A League of Their Own. I think that's an absolutely amazing mm. idea. Um, Y'all can't see it. I have a TV off to my side here. I always have something playing while I do a recording, whether it's a movie I'm talking about or something like that. I have Gone with the Wind playing right now which is an absolute classic, by the way. <laughs> I love this movie. I uh, There's this plot of land here close to where I live where I think a drive-in theater would be really awesome, and I wanted it to be a revival drive-in theater where we showed movies like this and stuff like that. So I'm glad that movies are finding a second life in theaters, even during the whole COVID experience. But I also think I can very easily flip a switch, and I'm watching Gone with the Wind on my, you know, TV or a newer movie. Uh, I watched Jack, uh, Jack Snyder, Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> uh, that's the rum talking. Uh, Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League from the comfort of, of my own, all four hours of it from the comfort of my own home. And you know what? I've built a nice little theater for myself. No, mm. I don't have this humongous screen hanging on my wall, but you know, I got surround sound. I've got my comfy couch and my popcorn and stuff like that. And I think that's the problem. We've we're going to become so they've made it so easy for us mm. to do the alternative that returning yeah. to the quote unquote norm is going to be a lot tougher. And so that's why I take it back to what I originally said. We're going to have a movie. The movie going experience isn't dead per mm. se. It's just never going to be the same. Uh, you know, it's I different. yeah. My very first job when I was in high school was a movie theater. I worked at AMC Theaters from 2002 to 2004. And I loved it. I loved every moment. Not just because I got to work at the movies, but the crowds, the people, mm. the people waiting in queues, zigzagging their way on the sidewalk and stuff like that to watch uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. That came out while I was working in theaters. Uh, the Scooby-Doo movie, the, <laughs> the one with Matthew Lillard and uh, Freddie Prince Jr. and all that, that <laughs> came out when I was working. At yes. I like that movie. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'm right. a huge Scooby-Doo fan. Uh, but, you know, uh, you know, uh, what else came out? Uh, Eight Mile. Eight Mile came out while I was working. It. I had to work security, but the crowds in there were just so wonderful, and I—that's mm. what—that's what I'll miss. Mm. The last, you know, what the last yeah. movie I saw in theaters was. Take a wild guess. Hmm. Step up three. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Um, the last movie I saw was um, The Rise of Skywalker. Even then, for it being a Star Wars movie, my wife and I were like one of 20 people in this theater. That is the emptiest Star Wars experience I have ever, ever had. And I've seen Star Wars episodes 1, 2, 3, 7, 8, 9 in theaters. Obviously, I did not see 
the originals four five and six in theaters and that was the emptiest experience for a star wars movie i've ever had and then before that the movie i saw before that was once upon a time in hollywood i was one of four people in that theater Mm. what time Mm. are you going to see movies at the regular time, you know, I would go in the evenings, you know? <laughs> He's catching the matinee on I Sunday. Mean, you Hello. know, afternoon, I get them being, them being empty. But see, like, the funniest thing is you say that, and then I think of the, you know, when I saw Rise of Skywalker, it was a packed house. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, so maybe a part of its, its location, you know. Maybe some folks here don't like to go to the movies as like some folks there. But also, Michigan, there's not much else to do. So, I mean, so let's go to the movies. I thought about that, too. But th- there's there's a good movie-going crowd here. I mean, Wilmington, North Carolina is like basically small Hollywood. They film movies here and stuff like that. This is a huge movie culture town. So um, the simple fact that I went to see these big, big-name, big tentpole movies and well, not uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's not a big tentpole movie, but whatever. Um, you know, Star Wars and stuff like that. You know, uh, just it was absolutely baffling. And this is before COVID. So I, I can only imagine what it's going to be like after COVID. Our theaters are just now opening up. Um, there's one that uh, opens up uh, as of this recording. It'll already be open, but for this purpose, tomorrow. It opens up tomorrow. Uh, and then our other one in town will open up sometime next week. But only uh, for limited engagement, limited hours, things like mm-hmm. that. And it's kind of crazy. Mm. For a while there here, they were, you had to, like, through the app, and you had to select your seats because there were only certain seats that they were uh, that they were putting people in. Uh, they Occupancy has since then been raised uh, two different times now, and I think we're up to, I think we're up to 40 or 60% occupancy at this point, uh, which is awesome. I don't, I'm sure they're they're getting there. They're making it, but uh, but the retraining part. I want I, I kind of want to go back to that for a second because another area that we're seeing this, and I think I think that's probably going to be the biggest deal um, is retraining uh, pre-COVID lifestyles, mm-hmm. right? We could because we it was such a drastic and immediate stop freeze on everything, and then it sat there for a year. So we that's a long time. Had it been just two weeks. We would have gone right back to the mix and not really felt a hiccup. We just got, you know, two yeah. weeks of vacation. Um, but it's it's a year and it's a total change in in social structure and and weird idioms and all this stuff. One thing that we have noticed is with the rise in occupancy in restaurants. So we, my wife and I, do breakfast dates uh, on the weekends. Uh, it's either a Sunday or a Saturday, and for the longest time, we had the best service because they only had five freaking tables open so these two waitresses were crushing these five tables our food was fast everything was great uh the first weekend that there's a big influx where they raise the occupancy uh we're sitting at our table for 25 minutes before we even get a cup of coffee and 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 so and i don't think that was because they sucked uh and they really weren't that busy because they're only at 40 percent <laughs> occupancy they just got used to the 10 percent occupancy and that became their your modus operandi and and they have to retrain themselves to you know to go from four tables to freaking 10 tables to whatever and and the customers being patient for that retraining to happen is going to be <laughs> is going to be the hard part for the servers and i think the movie industry is they, we can see the same thing happen you know, we have to retrain. and But the movie theater might be more of us. We have created a bubble for ourselves, this beautiful six-foot bubble 
And if anybody gets in that bubble now, we want to fight them. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're going to have to eventually we're going to have to to whittle that down and make that small again and, and to get back See, to that. I, I have a problem with that six foot bubble because I'm I thought, honestly, this whole thing was going to be great because I'm I'm an introvert. So I like staying at home other than doing other <laughs> stuff that I want to do. But after all this time, I want to feel crowded. I want to to be surrounded by people I don't know and want to be like, oh, God, I wish I was home. You know, but see, because mostly just <laughs> go to an airport. <laughs> well, even, uh, now see, because it's to an extent we've gotten comfortable, but I think whether people are willing to admit it or not that they miss they miss people i think that's everybody's biggest concern everybody will say oh it's our liberties are being fought blah 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 and you know all this other political shit it's people because what what makes your liberty so important that you can't go to a store you can't do this you can't do that and it's like because there's people there you get to interact whether it's a a smile at somebody or a nod to somebody else. Just it's simple, but there's interaction. Like one thing I hate more than ever is going to a store and not being able to see the entirety of somebody's face. Like granted we're, we're recording this and I can see all of your faces, which is great because the fact that while I'm at work, when I go anywhere else, I can only see this little section it's like a reverse batman thing where i only see this <laughs> top side of somebody's face and i hate that like because you can't walk by somebody and you know smile at them and and go on your own merry way because you can't see their fucking face because of these masks and it's it's people I get, and that goes back to the theaters what made the, going to the theaters so exciting people you, either the people you were with, people who were just ex as excited to see the movies that you were seeing. Um, one in particular I remember was Star Wars Episode Two. Me and my brother-in-law were in a ridiculous line to get in. And to the point where we're thinking, hey, we may not see this tonight. And that we're just going to have to be okay with it. We were the last five people to get into this the, this showing but the fact that there was this huge line of people to see one movie we all had a common interest we we were like when we had conversations with people on all sides of us again the people people add something to all these experiences and i think they make you know the movie's enjoyable don't don't get me wrong definitely a part of all this is the movie but there is something about the people you get to interact with in the meantime and i think that's something that we have lost sight of and that's what people are 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 getting drawn to when they want to go out to restaurants or they want to go to the movies or something like that it's it's that interaction whether it's direct or indirect they're desiring that connection from other people then who are stuck in that they're stuck in the same house with right on. And I, I, I would agree with that, Josh, I would absolutely agree that the, the people and our desire for social interaction will be, you know, what draws us out of the house. But so Jeff, I got a question for you though. If, if the, if there isn't a, 
a revival of the theater experience. How much revenue, and I, I don't know if you know this question, but how much revenue, let's say in a good weekend, from movie theaters, um, how much revenue did, did the film industry depend on to, to be successful or not? And, uh, you know, this is kind of a two-parter, can they make up that revenue by streaming at home? So, and the reason I'm asking this is if if the streaming thing is to be the new norm, should we expect lower quality of movies because the budgets are going to have to get smaller? No, you don't have to expect lower uh, quality, definitely. So, I mean, obviously, I, I, I can't give insight on specific numbers, but when you think about a movie, so, you know, movie's got its budget, that's what it's uh, being made on, and then it hopes to at least at the minimum make that budget back uh you know weekends are obviously the big time to do that especially an opening weekend for a movie and stuff like that but it usually takes unless it's the most anticipated movie in the world like endgame which probably made its budget back within the first five days uh probably they probably made their budget back in pre-ticket sales so they before they even uh showed the movie to anybody um it takes time for those movies to make that money from their ticket sales revenues and things like that, you know, even all the way down to home video sales and whatnot. So, but when we're talking about the difference between streaming and the theater going experience here, here's the big difference with the theaters. They are showing the movie, selling the tickets and sharing a percentage of those ticket sales back to the studio with streaming. Streaming is outright buying the rights unless for warner brothers case they're using their own company to stream their movie so they're just they're i i don't know if they're i don't know how they're making money honestly <laughs> i don't know how uh <laughs> warner brothers is making money on this one but i think of like sony you know and their deal with uh disney disney's buying the rights uh to those movies or oh the here's Here's a prime example right here. Knives Out. Have you seen Knives Out? Oh, it's excellent. Fantastic movie. They just announced two sequels, and guess who gets to have those sequels? Netflix. Netflix is paying for those. So guess what? The studio is making their money. So you're not going to lose a quality. I hope they're not going to lose a quality here. Theoretically, you should not lose any quality because someone is paying you for that movie in the long run and they probably there's probably finite details in there that you know we get a certain uh for however many watches or downloads it gets netflix you owe us this percentage and somebody's sitting there crunching all the numbers and things like that there it's not going to be as fast of a way for them to make their money but it gives them a wider audience so it there is the potential there so um I can't think of a household that doesn't have some sort of streaming service right now, quite honestly. Right. Uh, so we'll use Netflix as the prime example. They seem to be the standard, right? Uh, mm -hmm. When it comes to streaming services. So Netflix has a ton of subscribers and at what is it now? $9 a month. Oh, more than service. That. Is more it more than that, that now? I honestly I, don't know. I, I do just the, just the streaming part like because it used to be physical dvds yeah I, I, I don't even think they do that anymore they, they mean, do they are you serious yes they still Holy do shit. it's a little known thing they do 
Um, oh my god! Yeah, somebody, um, I, I saw somebody post a picture about it on Instagram the other day. No, I, I, I was my mind was blown. No, I think the basic streaming thing is up to like seventeen uh, seventeen ninety nine yep. a month. Well, dang. Well, so anyway, so take that <laughs> times however many subscribers you have. You know, that's what Netflix is raking in. Now take a movie like Knives Out Two, which um, I don't remember what studio was behind uh, Knives Out. I, kind of want to say sony i'm not 100 percent sure um if somebody wants to double check that on me uh so uh so you got a movie like knives out too so whatever studio is producing this movie they are going to turn around and sell it to netflix for a base rate right and then netflix is going to show it and for every download that they get on this movie or every watcher they get on this movie and i believe it has to reach a certain percentage of watchability before it becomes profitable for somebody that's do again this could be me just shooting in the dark here that studio is going to get a percentage of that and that it's going to be just like raking in ticket sales so the production company was t street it was distributed by lionsgate mrc lionsgate damn yeah that was close but uh lionsgate sony uh, uh potato potato out there um so i mean that's essentially how it's going to work so i mean you're not going to see you should not see a uh fall of production quality in fact you should see the exact opposite the these bigger names and these bigger films uh essentially are going to become artistic in mm. some really kind of weird way uh, another thing I think of is Disney Plus and the Mandalorian series. Oh, so good. This, this show could have been garbage, pure garbage, just like the movies were. However, oh, no! Oh, no! no love for episodes seven through nine. You, no have, you have stabbed him in the heart no less than five sorry. times this evening. This has been sorry. fantastic. I love Don't cry, Bubba. It's okay. No, no, I'm sorry. No love for episode seven through nine. Um, I will say this. Nine had one of my favorite opening se uh, sequences of all the Star Wars films, though. I really love that whole scene where Kylo Ren is just going apeshit on uh that planet and just, i th i love that part anyway um <laughs> not the part where the emperor reveals himself <clears throat> but uh so you know this this tv show had the chance to or had the possibility of being absolute garbage and it wasn't it's beautifully shot it's beautifully mm -hmm. written it's like watching little mini movies the production quality is fantastic for a streaming service mm-hmm Granted, it's Disney, but a streaming service. Let's take a look at Netflix. One of my favorite shows on there. I can't wait for it to fucking come back. Stranger Things. Oh. The production quality of that show is yes. outstanding. Uh, the Witcher, outstanding. All these other different Netflix shows, outstanding. HBO, uh, I haven't watched a show on HBO yet, or uh, HBO um, Max yet, but uh, I've heard amazing things about what they're doing there. Amazon has wonderfully produced shows the boys and things like that mm. i'm looking forward to their uh lord of the Rings show that they're doing mm. uh you know so we're and not gonna i i know i'm using tv shows as a highlight well, here I, but i have a uh, i have a question for you though yes the quality of the show is that due to budget or is that due to the people making the decisions 
actually giving a shit about their decisions. It's going to be both. Um, because I mostly think back to Mandalorian. You have David Filioni and fucking uh, John Favreau at at the helm. Both renowned Star Wars nerds. And you have David Filioni, who's a part of Clone Wars, Rebels. So you have two people who legit love Star Wars, hands down. And they are given full creative license to a Star Wars project. Like, you have to imagine that it is, from beginning to end, a labor of love. And you're like, okay, doesn't matter what we got to do. This has to happen. We have to make it work. We have to make it look like this. And so part of it is these shows, even though they are coming to streaming and stuff like that, you have to look at the people who are involved. That's a that's a very fair point. And yes, uh, the people play a huge role in that. But, you know, again, looking back on it, it's going to be a mixture. Mm. If you have good people behind it, it's going to be great. If you have the right budget behind it, it's going to be even better better um and you know i think of that uh the uh, lord of the Rings series coming to amazon they mm. are estimating that each episode is going to cost over a million dollars each to produce damn the money's there guys the money's there and hopefully the love is there from the creators and stuff like that so it, it's going to be uh it's going to be a nice mix uh but i know like i said i've been using um I've been using uh, TV shows as my primary example here, but there are movies on all these streaming services that have been released strictly for these streaming services as well that have been beautiful, fantastic, well done. I don't feel like any quality is lost just because they made it specifically for Netflix or specifically for Amazon or specifically... These movies that they've made specifically for these streamers are winning awards, Oscars, and things like that. So, I mean, you can't... can't we can't sit there and say that the quality is ever going to go down. It's just a new facet for uh, it's a new opportunity and a new way for us to experience these movies. Um, as sad as it is that we can't always experience these movies in theaters. Like some, some of these movies will get theatrical runs. Um, yeah. I'm thinking of um, that movie Roma on Netflix. It got a short lived oh. uh, theatrical run. A very beautiful movie. I watched it just on Netflix. Uh, I wish I could have gone and seen it in theaters. Very beautifully done. Uh, Amazon has done the same thing. They've done um, uh, movies in theaters that had short, limited runs and stuff like that. But the main way to watch it is by watching them on these streaming services. Uh, So, um, and they've already, and before COVID, that brings up my other point here that I was trying to get to. Pre-COVID, streaming services were already changing the movie market. They were. Because unlike major studios, these streaming services are giving a lot more creative control to the people who love these projects. Uh, You know, Warner Brothers, uh, they've been under a tremendous amount of fire recently from, uh, you know, the accounts of what happened under Zack Snyder when he was originally attached to Justice League and stuff like that, sending people in to watch over him to just too many hands in the pot and stuff like that. Whereas Disney did it right with uh, Dave Filoni and um, John Favreau and just like, here, give us something. And we hope it's amazing. (laughs) 
Here's Unlike what they did to J.J. Abrams, is like, here, J.J. Abrams, we want you to do this, and then, oh, we want you to do this, we want you to do this. We want... No, you can't fucking do that. No, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. Okay, you're out of the director's chair. Here's Ryan Johnson. Do whatever the hell you want to do, Ryan Johnson. Do whatever the hell you... Oh, I want to erase everything J.J. Abrams did in episode seven. Oh, Ryan Johnson. I'm going to dump some gas chair. on J.J. Abrams is back. On fire. Oh, yeah. now I got to redo everything Ryan Johnson just undid. It was a fucking disaster. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, sorry. and then Ryan Johnson freaking pulls out the Mickey Mouse ears at the very last part of that movie and has this yeah. little kid freaking force a fucking broom into his hand. What kind of bullshit is that? That was a horse. So my brother and I have this conversation often. <laughs> episode eight I'm is I'm never going to be invited back garbage. onto this show again. Absolutely garbage. Yeah, no, I'm with you on episode eight. Seven and nine, I'll, I'll argue with you that uh, they're they're fantastic pieces of, uh, of Star Wars lore. But yeah, Ryan Johnson fucked up episode eight. Okay, so um, I will say this about episode eight, though. And a lot of people... I know I've just been shitting on this. I really have, but I do have this to say. If I were to just remove episode eight and watch it as a standalone film, I love it. I think it's fantastic. It's a wonderful little piece. But then when I have to reinsert it back into it, it's awful. It's like Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron is one of the worst MCU movies that was ever made, ever exists. But if you remove it from the rest of the MCU and you watch it as a standalone film, it's a fun film. You reinsert it, you're just like, what the fuck were they thinking? I honestly, the the one thing that killed it for that movie for me was the fact that you had um, uh, the guy from The Office playing uh, Ultron. It was uh, fuck. No, no, I love James Spader. Don't get me wrong. I love him. But his character, Voltron, was his fucking character from The Office. Hey, Robert they were the same person. <laughs> Listen, no, legit. If you watch that movie again and you I, think I, of I'm Robert. visualizing it. I, I see it. Go. I see it. Like, because I was a huge Office nerd. I loved that show. And then it wasn't until much later after, um age of ultron came out that i watched it and i'm like oh sweet a new avengers movie you know i'll take my time to watch it and so i'm watching it and it was robert california was the bad guy in fucking avengers nope I, I checked out it was it was the worst and i'm like okay i don't give a shit about what happens fucking robert california is a, a freaking robot and comic book guys are fighting him that's awesome yeah uh but I, all right, so to bring it back to my point, yes, <laughs> it's going to be a good mixture of the proper budgets and the proper people making these uh, films and then the proper, I'm going to call it lack of like supervision. You know, there are people, uh, Kathleen Kennedy is the worst thing to happen to Lucasfilms. I truly believe that she is the one ultimately responsible for 7, 8, and 9. It's not our filmmakers. It's not J.J. Abrams. He's a fantastic filmmaker. It is not Ryan Johnson. He's a fantastic filmmaker. He, sh he has shown us, both of them have shown us multiple times what they can do when they're given a project. And a project that people are emotionally attached to. And I'm going to say J.J. Abrams and Star Trek. His reboot in 2009 is a phenomenal I, I being a lifelong star trek fan very nervous that they could have 
totally screwed this up and i felt like he delivered something absolutely amazing ryan johnson knives out is one of my favorite movies of 2019 it is fantastic in almost every single way but i i blame studio interference and i blame kathleen kennedy uh for what happened with those three so i'm really excited to see that uh, dave filoni and uh, john favreau and taika wakiti all of them are coming together for the for the man not just the mandalorian but the other star wars projects that they're doing and they're they're doing it right mm. mm-hmm. they're giving us what we deserve it's it sucks that it has to be in show form it sucks that we have to have the conversation that episode seven through nine shouldn't exist but <sighs> it's there <laughs> It's there. Anyway, so um, <laughs> I know we really, uh, I, one of my classic Chuck goes to the movies tangents I just tangents, went on here, guys. Yes. We deviated so far from the original question. I'm very sorry. <laughs> no, that's, we, we're, we're trail walkers ourselves, so we'll, we'll start here. <laughs> we'll go over here. We'll end up back there. It's cool. Um, and, and I love it. So with... With the theater, so I I think we can agree that the theater experience will still exist in some form or function. We just need to we need to adapt uh, and not put it in the lens of what was, but we need to maybe look at what can be or what will be or what is, and that might include just better home theaters. I mean, shit, you can go buy a sixty inch you know four K ultra high def television and a great sound system now for a hell of a lot less than what you could before. So. Uh, although it's not the same as the big screen and people and popcorn, um, I, I do think you can get some of that experience as far as feeling the movie, not just watching the movie um, in, in your own home. Mm-hmm. I think the important thing there that you said earlier is the whole retraining process. Mm. We can, if we do it right, recapture what the movie going experience used to be. And it's about just reminding ourselves of the nostalgia of going to the movies. It's not mm. watching the movie. You can, We've already proven it. We've already said it. You can watch the movie anywhere, whether it's on your smartphone, to your TV, to the big screen. You can watch a movie anywhere. It, that's not what you go to the movie theater for. You go for the experience. You go with your friends. You go with your loved ones. You go to laugh or cry or have a good time. I remember when I saw Phantom of the Opera in theaters. Mm everybody's singing we're all singing along (laughs) to the songs that's fun you know it's okay to do that i I guess it's okay to do that in movie theater don't do that on fucking broadway you know um (laughs) don't sing along but uh you know don't do it uh same thing uh, i worked at the movie theater when chicago came out i had no idea what chicago was quite honestly and but i'm so glad i discovered it and it's now one of my favorite musicals i love that experience just because again the the whole energy of being in there or uh (laughs) seeing something as stupid as paranormal activity i loved going to the theater to see the paranormal activity movies you know why because every there's people in there that are either scared of it there's people in there laughing at it there's it's just so many mixed emotions and it's just so much fun the first one i saw i was drunk and i was laughing my (laughs) ass off the whole time and it was so much fun and that's that's the nostalgia. Those are the memories I want to recreate going to a movie theater uh, and not to do another little plug of my show. But that's what I've been trying to capture on my show. That's why I called it Chuck Goes to the Movies. I just happened to start this right before COVID became a really big thing. So it was just very coincidental. And when COVID became a thing, I was like, I can I can turn this into something. I want to capture 
those memories. I want to capture those feelings. And uh, that's why I changed the start of my show for this season and stuff like that to make it feel like you're sitting down in a theater and experiencing it. The lights are coming down. The, the lights are coming yep, down. The screen's the up. coming up. And all of a sudden you hear foxes. Tum, 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 tum. I don't do that on my <laughs> show for copyright purposes. But, you know, that's the feeling. It's the nostalgia, and we just need to remember that as moviegoers, and mm. perhaps we need to remind people of that. So when you want to go to a movie and you want to invite somebody to go to the movie with you, it's like, uh, I don't know, you know, I, I could easily watch that at home and be like, no, get your fucking ass into that theater, and you're going to watch it with me. Yeah, You're going to watch it with me. We're going to have a fun time doing it, and you're going you're gonna to remember what's that, what that's like. And there are theaters that do it so well. Yes. Um, in downtown Kalamazoo, for a number of years, there was an Alamo theater. Yes. I had never experienced their movie-going thing until, oh, what was the first? I think it was uh, the first Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which that movie by itself is a whole nother discussion but <laughs> e experiencing a discussion in excellence well, well uh oh okay okay real quick <laughs> get i don't give a fuck that it was attached to any comic book thing as a sci-fi film i loved it i thought it was it was so awesome because when i first went into it i didn't know shit about marvel and and so I was like, oh, man, this is a great sci-fi movie. I don't know how this can attach to fucking Avengers. But then, of course, they turned it all around. Oh, so, okay. Cool. You're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. You said Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You said Hitchhiker's Oh, fuck. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So everything you said this evening <laughs> is now completely okay. thrown out the window. That, because you that movie going experience was great, too, because it was, it was a great movie. Fucking but, Douglas Adams? I, Who does uh, that? Nobody I, does I, that. I've been drinking way you? too much of this uh, rum. Oh, my that's, God. That's what I'm saying. So, yes. You had me at Douglas Adams. You lost me at freaking Star-Lord. Okay, so, fucking... <laughs> Shit, I totally lost myself. Okay, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was... Shut up. <laughs> so, it... On top of the movie itself being a great movie, I really enjoyed it, and it was it was just a fun experience. But the type of theater totally made the difference. You can order food, you can order drinks, you can it's a whole thing, and they even tell you, hey, up until this point in time in the movie, you can still get more drinks, you can get more food and shit like that. But you know, it it, it made it its own experience and the best part was they encourage you to get there early oh yeah because then you have all this extra content before and it and it just makes everything that much better because like one of the videos they showed before was this guy in kentucky who has like five different raccoons as pets and <laughs> He's, he plays the banjo with them. And it's, it, again, it's the experience. Each theater gives its own different experience, and it's the best. And, yes, even for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, there was an experience because it was the first time I had any exposure to this story. And was there's fucking dolphins singing in the beginning. I don't understand what that's all about, but it was a great movie. Well, It doesn't matter. The second smartest species on the planet, so... 
I mean, it, it makes it's sense. A fantastic story. I mean, you you get to learn the meaning of life. So right. you know, that's always important. Yeah, I, you learn the importence of a towel. Yeah. Yes. You gotta always have your towel. <laughs> I can't. And then you gotta you gotta love anything with Alan Rickman in it. I'm just saying. That is true. That is very true. He was in that movie. Yeah, it was the voice of the robot. Yeah. I'd like you to know I'm feeling oh, very yeah, yeah, depressed. The, the one with the big yeah, head. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, he fucking would have did that. Anyway, he was totally in that. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Holy shit. Well, uh, guys, I hate to pull the plug on it, but uh, but we need to wrap up the conversation. Uh, let me start by uh, the discussion has been lively, and it has been about uh, theaters and where we're where it's going post COVID where we can take it and all those things. We've been joined by uh, Jeffrey Chuck Norris from Chuck Goes to the Movies. Uh, go check out his show. You can find it on any of your podcast platforms. Uh, what do you have in the pipeline there, Mr. Norris? Ooh, let me pull up my list. Um, I, uh, I've been on a little bit of a break this week. I just needed to take a mental life at work has been kind of crazy but i just recorded my cousin Vinny, so i have that coming out soon i love that movie fantastic uh, my brother and i will be doing a dive into um infinity war and Endgame back-to-back episodes and then uh i have wedding crashers coming up after that yes <laughs> which is possibly nice. one of the movies i quote the most in life why is that not a two-parter um it might end up being a two-parter we'll see i'm recording with a first-time guest on that one so uh he might have a lot to say i honestly don't know uh but uh that one's gonna be a lot of fun and then just a little bit further down the line i'm not going to go through all of them i've got somebody down there for a scheduled for a june release we're going to be talking wizard of oz you know who you are what 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 i love that hint hint fantastic movie uh but uh yeah Awesome. Excellent. Well, my friends, uh, from the bar, from the tavern in question, uh, I'm Ian. That's Josh. That's Jeff. Uh, you can catch us here Thursdays, every other Thursday at 730. Uh, we will be uh, streaming eventually here in the, the very near future. Uh, but until then, you can catch us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, we wish you the best. Josh, you got any words of wisdom? The last three Star Wars movies weren't anywhere near as bad as everyone makes them say. If you were a if you're a true fan, they work. That is all. <laughs> that, that that is all. That'll wrap Dude, it up. Dude, Ernest Hemingway was no shit with this fucking pillar shit, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> Let's wrap this up, then we'll talk the booze. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From the tavern, everybody. Good night. Take care. <laughs>